Well, good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, whatever time of day it is when you may tune in. This is Minister Kay Mortimer with Covenant Truth Ministries, and welcome. Thank you for joining me today. Today we're going to look at another episode, Lesson 3, of our Wilderness Man at the Jordan, a study of John the Immerser. And so I'd like for us to continue in this series and let's see what else we can understand about John the Immerser and his part of God's redemptive plan. In lesson three today, I want us to look at what I'm calling the meantime. The meantime. In lesson one, we looked at the matter and we saw how the story of John is all about Jesus and John's part fitting into God's redemptive plan through Jesus. Then we looked in lesson two at the miracle, how God performed a miracle in his perfect timing in the birth of John the Baptist as he was bringing the messenger forth that would come before Jesus to prepare the way for him. So today, let's look at lesson three. Let's look at the meantime. What do I mean by the meantime? Scripture gives us info about this man and his coming on the scene as we discussed in Lesson 1 and 2 briefly, but then the scriptures seem to be silent about him for a period of time. This is what we could call the meantime, the time between the first mentions of John's coming and the next time that we will see him and continue with his life and ministry. The time in between we might call the meantime. Some have said that the meantime is a mean time. Sometimes this can definitely be true, and it may have been in some degree in John's life as well. But let's consider the time in between. Let's look at the last mention of John when we first hear about him. I want us to look in Luke chapter 1 again. I'm going to read verse 80. And then I may go back and reread some of the other verses. In verse 80, it says this, So the child grew and became strong in spirit and was in the deserts till the day of his manifestation to Israel. This is speaking of John the Baptist. This is at John the Baptist circumcision day on the eighth day of his life and his name day when he was named John. You'll remember earlier in the last couple of episodes, we looked at this. We looked at how John was named John by Gabriel, by God, actually through Gabriel. And Zacharias was made mute because he first had disbelief, didn't believe the word that God had spoken. He was looking at the natural elements of the fact that he and Elizabeth were very, very old and unable to bear children. But Zacharias' muteness was not permanent. Gabriel had told him, you'll be mute until these things come to pass. And so once he wrote the name John down to give him the name that God had given him through the angel, then his tongue was loosed and he delivered a powerful prophecy recorded for us here in Luke chapter 1. So let's go back and quickly read that prophecy Beginning in verse 67. Now his father Zacharias was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, 
Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant, the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. And you, child, now this is when he actually begins to prophetically speak over and to John the Baptist. And you, child, will be called the prophet of the highest, for you will go before the face of the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the remission of their sins through the tender mercy of our God with which the day spring from on high has visited us to give light to those who sit in darkness and the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. So he delivers this prophetic word on the eighth day of John's life from the womb since he's been born the day when he would be circumcised and named. And this is a powerful prophecy about God's keeping of his covenant, sending the Messiah, and John's part in this redemptive plan, John's role. After this, we're told in verse 80 that John grew and became strong in spirit and lived in the deserts till the day of his manifestation. So this is the meantime that we're talking about right now, trying to glean what we can from Scripture and see a little bit more about John's early life. Notice that God is still working even in the meantime, because in this meantime, John is growing like any other normal Jewish child would, learning and being schooled in Torah, being bar mitzvahed at age 13, etc., being raised in observing God's law, God's holy law, the Shabbats, etc. He also became strong in spirit. This is talking about him becoming strong and strengthened, empowered, increasing in strength, not just physically in his growth and physical development, but even more important in his spirit, strong in spirit. This is the same thing said of Jesus in Luke chapter 2, verse 40. And so in the time between their birth and when they were manifested and came on the scene publicly, they are growing and they are becoming strong in spirit until God's timing for them to be manifest publicly. So being strong in spirit and growing strong in spirit is talking about what's inside of them, their character growing and becoming strong, empowered and powerful in the things of God inside of them, in their character, in their resolve, in the exercise of good things, godliness and holiness in their life, in spiritual growth, growing strong in character, in wisdom, in humility, and in their personal relationships with God. And then we're told he was in the desert till the day of his manifestation.
Let's consider a few things about this. Why, what, where, when, and how. Let's try to glean a few things that we can. This is somewhat difficult because scripture is fairly silent on this time period. So we're not going to speak more than what the scriptures say in any form dogmatically. We may surmise a few things from history or tradition, but the scriptures are the final authority. We do know some reasonable things that we can surmise from this time period. First of all, John's parents, we're told in the scriptures, lived in the hill country of Judea. Now, we don't know exactly what city, what area they lived in, but when you read Joshua 21, you will find out that there were only certain cities in the hill country of Judea that the Levites and the priests could occupy. One of those was Hebron. And I believe personally that that's where John the Baptist was born. That's where he grew up, was in Hebron. Now, there's some other reasons I have that belief. And one of them ties with a temple observance that was done in the days of the temple. But we're unsure about the exact city. Whatever city it was that John grew up in would have met the qualifications laid out when Joshua divided the land and gave the assignment for the certain cities for the priests within those territories. So their homeland, we know, was in the hill country of Judea. So they were already in the hill country area, close to the wilderness area. We know that his parents, John's parents, were very old at his birth. We know that he had that miraculous birth we talked about, similarly to what Abraham and Sarah experienced. But in the days of Elizabeth and Zacharias, the lifespans of the people were nowhere near as long as Abraham and Sarah's with Isaac. We're uncertain about exactly when they would have died. My guess is probably before John was grown to adulthood, perhaps even before he was bar mitzvahed at age 13. We don't know. We're unsure. We don't know exactly who may have raised John the Baptist or at what age he might have been adopted as an orphan or whatever. But we can surmise through history and tradition that John was in the desert, probably among the wilderness peoples like the Essenes. We know he was in the desert. The scripture clearly tells us that. So he was living in an area of wilderness between Jerusalem and the Dead Sea in the Judean wilderness. Now, the Essenes were also there, and they were their home territory was most likely in the Qumran area, same area where the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. And the Essenes were living in that area as well as John. It's possible the Essenes and John were connected at least for a time. The Essenes were a very religious sect that somewhat broke off from the Pharisees and the regular religious order of the Jews. They believed in perpetual washings and mikvahs, and they believed in strict adherence to godly living and to the law. They were probably what we might call very legalistic as well because of this. We're not sure if John and the Essenes were in fact connected, although many believe from tradition and history that they were. 
But we do know, however, from Gabriel's words that John was to be a Nazarite. He was to have this Nazarite vow. Now, where does that come from? Well, we're told that about John the Baptist by Gabriel in Luke chapter 1. But in Numbers chapter 6 is where we understand about the Nazarite vow. Numbers chapter 6 in the Torah, beginning in verse 1, says this, Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, When either a man or a woman consecrates an offering to take the vow of a Nazarite to separate himself to the Lord, he shall separate himself from wine and similar drink, he shall drink neither vinegar made from wine nor vinegar made from similar drink. Neither shall he drink any grape juice nor eat fresh grapes or raisins. All the days of his separation he shall eat nothing that is produced by the grapevine from seed to skin. All the days of the vow of his separation no razor shall come upon his head until the days are fulfilled for which he separated himself to the Lord. He shall be holy." Then he shall let the locks of the hair of his head grow. All the days that he separates himself to the Lord, he shall not go near a dead body. He shall not make himself unclean, even for his father or his mother, for his brother or his sister, when they die, because his separation to God is on his head. All the days of his separation, he shall be holy to the Lord. So here are some of the rules that the Nazarites had to follow, and he had taken a Nazarite vow. He was instructed through Gabriel that he was to be a Nazarite. His parents were given that instruction, and they would have raised him in that way. The rules for these Nazarites given here match what Gabriel told to Zacharias. John could not have any wine or strong drink, he couldn't eat grapes or any products that, at all that were made from them. He couldn't even cut his hair. He couldn't have any contact with dead bodies, even with his own family when his parents died. We learn about another person from the Old Testament examples that was also a Nazarite. In his case, however, he disdained his calling and suffered consequences, and that was Samson. But John the Baptist was following suit and doing exactly what he was supposed to do in this Nazarite vow. He was consecrated to serve God, and he was separated from other people in these deserts, in the wilderness, until it was time for him to be manifested. So staying in the deserts, perhaps with the Essenes, fit this type of calling for him. We know some of his early life. Let's look at Matthew chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, and it says this, In those days John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, and saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord, make his paths straight. Now John himself was clothed in camel's hair, with a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem, all Judea, and all the region around the Jordan went out to him and were baptized by him in the Jordan, confessing their sins. Now I want to stop right there and let's just talk about this at this moment. So we're told some details of John's early life. We we're told that he's clothed in camel's hair and he has a leather belt on his waist. 
this is very interesting because this is one place that shows us that there's a tie, a connection between John the Baptist and Elijah. If you look at 2 Kings chapter 1, verse 8, you will see these same exact things spoken about Elijah. And it was because of the, the hairiness of what he wore, his clothing, and the fact that he had this leather belt on his waist is what identified Elijah to the people. So we're talking more about that in a coming episode. John's diet we're given here was locusts and wild honey, a very strict, simple, humble diet. Jesus confirmed these things about John in Matthew chapter 11 when he spoke about John and he brought out some things as well. Matthew 11 verse 7 through 10 says this, As they departed, Jesus began to say to the multitudes concerning John, What did you go out into the wilderness to see? A reed shaken by the wind? But what did you go out to see? A man clothed in soft garments? Indeed, those who wear soft clothing are in king's houses. But what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I say to you, and more than a prophet. For this is he of whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way before you. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there has not risen one greater than John the Baptist, but he who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. So Jesus is giving us some more confirmation about the details here, that John did wear soft clothing. He did have these animal skins. He did eat a diet that was very simple. He was a true wilderness man, ending up later, as we will see, in his ministry at the Jordan. The wilderness man at the Jordan. Now, I want to just bring out a few things about the Essenes, because it is at least possible, if not probable, that John may have connected with the Essenes, at least in some form, during his early life, before he rose to the scene in the day of his ministry being made public. The Essenes, tradition indicates that John and the Essenes may have joined together. This is not confirmed biblically, nowhere in the scriptures, so we cannot say this dogmatically. But we can note a few things that are of interest. Both were in the wilderness of Judea at that same time frame. Both were separatists, in a sense, from the Pharisees and the religious rulers in Jerusalem. They believed in strict adherence to God's law, strict diet, aesthetic lifestyle being simple, basic, a wilderness-type rustic lifestyle. And they were both in this Judean desert. The Essenes actually were based more in Qumran the same place that the Dead Sea Scrolls were found. Now, some reasons that people tend to believe that John may have been adopted and raised at least a portion of that early time with the Essenes is that the Essenes would frequently adopt orphans. And John's parents, we know, were very old when he was born. We don't know when they died, but we do surmise that he became an orphan probably at some fairly early portion of his life. 
both the Essenes and John the Baptist were interested in priestly matters and the priestly Messiah. Both shared a desire and a concern for Isaiah 40, the voice crying in the wilderness. John's water baptism was in line with the mikvahs and the ritual baths of the Essenes in their ritual washings. The Essenes believed they were the continuation of the Zadok priesthood that had been expelled by Herod the Great from the temple. They were a Jewish mystical sect. They began about 100 BC and then disappeared around the destruction of the temple in 70 AD. They may have even been the ones likely who recorded and stored the Dead Sea Scrolls that were recently found some decades ago. The Bible does not tell us anymore. Tradition indicates that there may have been an association with John and the Essenes. Some even say that perhaps he was early on maybe adopted by the Essenes, spent some time with them or whatever, but then later began to see differences theologically and biblically in the belief, and so he separated from them at a later point. These are unknown about John's early life, these things. We know what the scriptures do tell us that we have looked at here. We don't know if there was a real connection between John and the Essenes or not. We do know that there were some similarities, and so we will not be dogmatic on any of that. But we can at least surmise that some of that time in between when John was a baby and we first read about him in Luke chapter 1, verse 80, until the time that he comes on the scene publicly at about age 30, that this was a mean time. It was a time in between and possibly even mean. It was between the prophecy and the promise and the coming of John the Baptist and the day that God had appointed for him to come publicly on the scene. Most likely during that meantime, there was the grief and loss of his parents. There would have been a time of separation, perhaps even loneliness, dryness, dark and hard times, wilderness living, strict diet, and a Nazarite vow that he knew he had to adhere to. I think we can at least surmise that it was a mean time for him. But God was using it to prepare this wilderness man for his mission and ministry at the Jordan River. God never wastes anything in our lives. And he didn't waste this time with John the Immerser any more than he did with David or with Joseph in Egypt. Both of those were examples of people who had a mean time in between. They had a waiting season, and it was not very pleasant for either one of them. For Joseph, he had been thrown into the pit and then sold way away from his family. He thought he would never probably see them again, maybe. And then he's taken to Egypt. He is falsely accused. He's thrown into prison way before he's ever promoted to the palace and promoted and realized his dream. There was a good 13, 15 years or so in between that time period. And I believe it's about 22 years between the time that he was sold at 17 years old and the time that he finally got reunited with his family after he had been promoted in Egypt. 
So it was a mean time for him. There was a lot of wrong and a lot of hurt and pain that had been done, but God was still using it. God was going to redeem every bit of that time, and he did with Joseph. Same thing with David. David received the promise, the anointing, probably at 15, 16, 17 years old. We know that he was about 17 when he started, when he went to and fought Goliath and started serving with Saul. And then it was 30 years old before he got to actually be king and start serving as king. So there was a mean time in between that, because if you'll remember, Saul was out killing. David had to live on the run for his life. But God was redeeming every bit of that and using that to prepare David for his ministry. He did the same with Joseph, and now we see where he did the same with John the Immerser. God was using this meantime, this time in the wilderness for John the Immerser, John the Baptist, to prepare that wilderness man for his ministry at the Jordan. I pray that this is being a blessing to you, and Lord willing, you can join us again for future episodes of this Wilderness Man at the Jordan series. God bless you today in Jesus' name. Amen.